Hello, welcome to Helen Talks Who. I'm Helen and today I'm talking about Utopia. Now, um, I know that Utopia and The Sound of Drums and The Last of the Time Lord are all one story. They are like a proper three-parter, um, but I'm splitting them into two episodes to talk about because I thought talking about all three in, in one episode would be a bit much. Um, and Utopia does pretty much have a self-contained story and it certainly has like a different setting and a different focus than Sound of Drums, Last of the Time Lords. So, um, yeah. It was it was quite an effort to switch the TV off at the end of Utopia when I was re-watching it. I'd forgotten how exciting the last five to ten minutes are and how much it makes you want to keep watching. Um, but yeah. I'm pretty sure, I, I'm, well, I'm definitely sure that when I originally watched these in 2007, I didn't know they were all meant to be one story until, obviously, you watched them and, and, and kind of see the through line. But yeah, Utopia has always seemed a slightly more separate um, story. Okay, so, um, yeah, I've got a few things I want to talk about regarding this episode. My overriding thought when I was watching this was, it's been a while since we've seen the Doctor be this excited and enthusiastic. Um, like, I was looking back at my notes from the episode the this series, and we've not really seen him be excited about traveling since the Shakespeare Code. There was a little bit when they first arrived to New York, a little bit there, but yeah, pretty much they've all, yeah, we've not seen him be excited. Um, if we just go through the last few episodes, if we go backwards, um, I mean, Blink and Human Nature, the Doctor barely appears in, in those. You've got John Smith or you've got uh, Sally instead. 42, they're in danger and rushing about. He's not... Yeah, he's he just very much... Yeah, got to do the job, got to solve the problem. Lazarus experiment... I think he's more creeped out by Lazarus and, and empathetic by the end of it. He's not like... You know, he doesn't do what he does to Yana this episode and, and go and, and, you know, sort of enthuse about the science of it, really. Not much, anyway. Uh, the Dalek one, yeah, a little bit of enthusiasm about being in New York, but otherwise not. Uh, and Gridlock um, and Martha get kid kidnapped five minutes in, so, uh, yeah, wouldn't be appropriate to be super enthusiastic. Um, but my point for mentioning this is... Seeing him be excited and enthusiastic made me realise that I've really missed it. Um, I don't know if it's how much it's come across in these episodes with me talking about um, this series, but um, I've not enjoyed this rewatch as much as uh, as much as. Well, certainly as much as the rewatch of uh, the 2005 and 2006 series. Like, the episodes have been good. Like, the stories have been good. But it's been missing that extra little thing of, like, 
that just make me go, oh man, I really love this show. And I think the Doctor's enthusiasm or, or, or lack of it in the last few episodes has, has, has been part of the reason for that. Um, you know, because it, it affects his dynamic with the companion. My, my whole thing is that I love watching episodes of Doctor Who where it, where you want to be travelling with the Doctor and his companion. And between um, the Doctor not being quite as enthusiastic as normal and the Doctor and Martha, you know, having a bit more of a contentious relationship, you know, I've talked about and will talk about later in this episode, uh, the Doctor being a dick to her. But, um, yeah, so this is a return to form as far as I'm concerned, um, which is lovely. I, I, I just, I like seeing the Doctor enjoying, in enjoying, you know, this lifestyle that he's chosen. I, 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 and particularly with the companions, I like seeing the companions, you know, showing that they're the reason that they upsticked and uh, up, upped sticks and, and, and went to travel with the Doctor. The next thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about the fact that this episode is set at the end of the universe. Um, it's actually surprisingly hopeful in its tone, which is odd because I've always remembered otherwise. I've always thought of this episode and gone, oh, you know, it's the end of the universe, are oh, all the characters, like, like, imagine being born at the end of the universe, what's, what, what sort of a, a life is that in some ways, um, but yeah, no, it's surprisingly hopeful in tone, there's this real feeling of, like, life persists, you know, humanity keeps on going, um, and you've got the whole thing about, um, Yana building this, system out of scraps and 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 non-conventional science because that's that that's all all they've got access to um yeah I wonder if the I wonder if my remembering of it as being a bit of a depressing setting comes from what we will learn about utopia in uh, Last of the Time Lords and Sound of Drums, the fact that we learn that the Master actually laid Utopia as a trap and, and, and so these humans that are so... that have created this mythology around Utopia and who are working so hard to 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 find it and, 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 and to go there. Um, we know by the end on rewatch we know that you know they're going to their doom they're not this it sort of um poisons the the idea of this nice of this nice mythology this nice end of the universe mythology um but yeah watching it this time the idea of utopia um it really puts me in mind of the of that quote the uh better to travel hopefully than to arrive the idea that having a goal and working towards that goal has 
as much value, if not more value, than than actually getting to the goal. Um, in in the end, the idea that, you know, humans do best when they've got something to strive for. Um, yeah, it's kind of a similar idea, I think. Um, and it's kind of that's that's what Yana's doing as well. He's um, you know, he's hiding from the silo people the fact that the project is not going great. Um, him and in Chantho, they're um, they're they're sort of sort of they're not like baffling the rest of the silo people with with science. Uh, terminology but they are like you know they're 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 masking uh the fact that they have no idea what to do next um so it's sort of he's letting the people in the silo live in hope that he's letting them think that they've got a goal that they will be able to achieve it's just it's not a matter of if it's an it's a matter of when and that's um that you know probably makes for a more cohesive community as well as probably um ensuring that he doesn't get chucked out of the gates to the um to be at the mercy of the future kind um so yeah the end of the universe setting is good i like it um it it's got a lot of i feel like there's a lot of uh there's a lot more that could be explored in that setting it would be an interesting one to um uh to think more about or to have you know another um story in 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 a in a similar kind of uh setting the other thing i want to talk about with this episode is jack um because we've not seen him since series 1 um there's been the first series of torchwood in 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 the interlude which i did actually watch at the time not sure I should have watched it as a 13 year old but I did and here we are um but yeah for people who just watched Doctor Who it's the first time that he's back since uh since they were all facing down the Daleks um and it's nice having him back um I don't think having Jack back is the reason that the Doctor's got this in view um renewed enthusiasm i think it's just how the uh i think it's just how the content of the 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 stories have sort of worked out um but the the thing that i find interesting about jack in this episode that i've not really um picked up on before is he's another example of the doctor being a bit of a dick to his companion he's, he's another case study for that um because we have the fact that the doctor has been deliberately avoiding him and running away from him you know we see that it's not just the doctor doesn't see him on the scanner the doctor clocks jack on on the tardis scanner and and immediately um immediately you know try try to run away and 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 he admit, admits it to jack he admits that that he left him there on 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 the satellite and and stuff um and jack like martha hold the doctor to account which which i love um 
I, I, I love that you've got this sort of, yeah, you've kind of got this kind of parallel of the two of them um, not ganging up on the Doctor exactly, but, yeah, both refusing to be second best in, in, to the Doctor, both, both, um, both going, you know what, I, 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 I deserve an answer to this, I, I deserve not to be, be treated like that. Um, and Jack starts off um, holding the Doctor to account by, um, there's a better phrase than snide comments, uh, but like, yeah, in a sort of slightly more casual, jokey way, so um, with the gun thing, because early in the episode you have the Doctor saying to Jack, don't shoot the future kind, and they get in the silo, and you've got the guard of the silo, um, shoots at the future kind and the doctor doesn't say anything and Jack's like, why didn't you say anything? Um, and the doctor says, he's not my responsibility. And Jack, the key point is that Jack says, okay, and I am, like, that makes the change. Um, so deliberately, like, calling out the doctor for, you know, you can't, you can't enforce these kind of rules on how to behave and also run away from me. Um, But then they do properly talk it over later in the episode. Um, And I think this this has got to be my favourite scene in the episode where uh, Jack is inside the... uh, irradiated room and uh the doctor's at the door and they're yeah talking it over um it's it's a really well done scene particularly because the secondary person purpose of that scene it comes after yana is starting to get his memories sort of uh um triggered by by the watch um and the secondary purpose of, of that scene where the Doctor and Jack talk is to give Yana as many, like, Doctor Who-specific trigger phrases as possible. Um, It doesn't feel like it's full of jargon. It doesn't feel like you've got any sort of, like, info dump um, thing because it, it keeps the... You've got the emotional thread front and centre, um, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the first time we get the detail of Jack's backstory in terms of what's happened to him since leaving the Doctor and being in Torchwood, because, um, now I haven't watched Torchwood series one for quite a while, um, I'm very tempted to re-watch it after, um, after, uh, after re-watching, uh, this stuff. But um, but we don't get the detail of his backstory in Torchwood Series 1. We mainly just get hints. Um, I did watch the first episode of Torchwood Series 1 recently. And um, you, you don't even know that Jack's immortal um, until, uh, and, until Gwen learns that in the course of the story. Um, and and the other members of the Torchwood team don't find out until later in the series, I think it is. Um, so you get, you do get that bit of concrete 
uh, information in Torchwood Series 1. And you do also get the story of how Jack ended up in World War Two to meet the Doctor and Rose in the first place in 1941. Though Those two things are the only, like, concrete things you you learn about his backstory. Um, it's not until this scene that you know what happened happened to him and and how he got how he got to earth in the 21st century and again it i think it's done really well it doesn't feel like any kind of info dump you know it doesn't feel like the characters are just talking directly to the audience it's it that they're talking to each other in, in in ways that make sense you know in in a way that makes sense that this is how you tell your old friend the story of what you've been up to um so yeah staying on that theme um the main thread of the scene the main thing that the doctor and jack need to talk out is this fact that the doctor's kept running away from him um and you yeah so the doctor ran away from jack because of the whole fixed point thing because jack being immortal isn't really supposed to exist um but in the end by the end of the scene it's like um jack you kind of realize that he can empathize more with the doctor than than say martha can you know than a sort of regular human companion can because of the the immortality thing and they've both got a kind of like awe of human ability um that comes from probably both the immortality thing and 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 the uh time travel thing and just yeah the what they've seen um and i really love that you can see the shift happen uh in how the doctor is thinking about jack because you have the doctor saying to jack like you're wrong you're you're not meant to exist like this jack again calls him out on it and um you yeah you can see something in the doctor's expression shift it ah it's a really great performance um and he sort of accepts that you know he shouldn't be thinking that he he accepts that this is this is this is this is still his old friend i suppose and and you know this is a thing that can't be undone but just has to be um has to be accepted um and yeah by the end of the scene you you get you see that the doctor is sort of able to interact with jack kind of on more of an equal footing um which allows them to kind of move forward but i think it's really interesting that, that I, I think they do come out of that scene yeah on more of an equal footing with each other um as sort of like both being very long-lived functionally immortal people um and i think that's really fitting giving given that this episode is the reintroduction of the master because the master is very often um put across as like the only other person in the universe that can properly understand the doctor uh from knowing the doctor as a 
when when he was young and on Gallifrey and having that sort of shared history. Um, though it, it's fitting that, again, you have this parallel with Jack and the Doctor and how they're relating to each other and the Doctor and the Master and how they're set up. Um, so, yeah. Those, those are the main things I wanted to talk about on in this episode. Um, another another scene I um really liked. I really liked uh Martha and uh, Chanto. Um, their their little interactions together were really nice. Um, Martha using her medical skills with Jack. Um, which. I I'm sure in the past I've I've I found it quite funny, you know, the whole thing of she's doing CPR but she doesn't need to, and she, because at first she thinks it's a reflection on her own abilities. She, you know, doesn't doesn't find out that Jack's actually properly immortal until, uh, two thirds of the way through the episode. Um, yeah, I didn't find it quite so amusing th- this time, but it it it's um. It it's certainly a a good a good moment. Yeah, great episode this. Very enjoyable. Very much looking forward to the sound of drums and last of the Time Lord two parter, um, and seeing the John Sim Master in all his glory and madness. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I have an email address for this podcast. If anyone wants to get in touch or have any commentary they'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. The email address is helentalkswho at gmail.com. And next time, um, we'll be continuing on with this story. We'll be watching The Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Lords. See ya.